This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, hosted by Lisa Bontesumi, and it's all about mental health in sports. This podcast is presented and produced by Sports Epreneur, part of the CADSource Network. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazmov, the founder of CADSource and the creator of Sports Epreneur. And we're hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. If you would like to be featured on this show or one of our many other shows, or if you are looking to create your own content, please reach out to us. You can find us at sportse.io or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Lisa Bontasumi is a psychotherapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. She's the first ever mental health and performance coach for Oakland Roots SC, a men's professional soccer team in the USL. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Ath Mindset, and she's the host of this podcast, Athlete Mindset. So I'm excited today to have Michelle Colson join the conversation on Ath Mindset. She is a pro footballer in Scotland, plays for the Rangers women right now, has also played for the Belgian Red Flames, the Belgian national team, which is governed and overseen by the Royal Belgian Football Association. So I'm super excited to have you, Michelle. Thank you. I'm excited too. Thank you. Thank you. So, gosh, you are Belgian. You grew up in Belgium. Tell some of the listeners who have no idea what that could be like a little bit about your growing up and how you fell in love with football. Well, I think growing up in Belgium was, for me, a really nice experience. Of course, at that moment, there were not a lot of women's teams, definitely not where I lived. So when I started playing football, it was because my nephews played football. And the most logical thing to do was like going to the local club. So that was, of course, with the boys team. But I really liked it. So the boys were nice. The level of the boys were very good. So yeah, growing up in Belgium was like football-wise a very nice thing. And like all the other things also, like I can really not complain about it. Great. I love it. So that is kind of the situation in some countries that women aren't really, for lack of a better word, maybe prioritized when it comes to football, but you found a way. And I I love hearing about that. Do you have something to say about that piece? Yeah, so I think at that moment, of course, you don't think about it because I was nine years old. But it's just like, for example, now with the World Cup, it brings a lot of attention to women's football, which of course stimulates professional teams to make like little girls teams and women's professional teams. But I think at that moment, when I was nine, it was just like, things people don't people don't really know about mm-hmm. so they are not like i never thought that they were against women's football but they were just like it's more common for men or for boys for sure so for sure i always felt welcome in my boys team it was just like the only logical solution to do because i generally don't know where i could have find a girls team close to my house Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think just because there aren't a lot of options for girls doesn't mean folks or society or Belgian culture is against girls' football, right? It's just 
different countries come up in different ways about when that can become available. And so I love that you found a way. Yeah, definitely. So I think what just very good at this moment is just that I can understand that there are girls who are like, I don't really want to play with the boys, so I'm just not going to play football. And I think Mm. that's the great thing about how it's going now, that there are more and more girls teams. So girls who prefer playing with only girls have an opportunity to start what they love. Absolutely. That's like really the great thing about this moment. For sure. For sure. Tell me about how the Women's World Cup this summer impacted you. Oh, I think it's incredible. Like for me, for example, I don't know if you saw the interview of Marta, Mm -hmm. um, where she was saying like, I didn't have role models when I grew up. And I'm so happy. Like she was emotionally really attacked by the fact that now she understands that she's a role model for little girls. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm even getting goosebumps of it right now. So I think that's just the thing. Like when I was young, it was just like, oh, who are you a fan of? And it's like Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldinho. I don't know whoever was that. But it was not in my mind like to say a woman because I just didn't know one. So I think in that opinion, like the World Cup meant so much just for little girls to have like an example and to really look up to someone. For sure. For sure. Do you see yourself as a role model? Not really. Like, (laughs) I don't know. You don't have to be a Martha to be a role model. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know, like, there are, of course, little girls who sometimes text me like, oh, I'm a fan of you and it's great. And then I'm I'm always kind of surprised. Like, of me, there there are a lot of better players. But, yeah, it's always nice to hear such things and gives you, of course, a good feeling. So, well, I think for some girls I will, but there are bigger role models in this sport. Well, I think it's interesting because when we talk about role models, it's not just about the best players. It's about representation, right? Yeah. And you're out there doing what a lot of girls want to do. And so the fact that you're just out there, I don't want to say just, but the, the visibility that you're giving to younger girls that you didn't have is role modeling. Yeah, indeed. Just by being you. Especially for like Belgian players. We still have a lot of players who play in our own country. And I think I can be one of those players who play abroad. And it's just the courage that comes with that. And uh, just the strength to live on your own and to do it on your own. I think in that aspect, that maybe can be a role model for some girls. So maybe definitely that. Yes, please. Absolutely. (laughs) And I mean, I can't emphasize enough just the fact that they see you out there. Yeah. You don't have to do anything spectacular or special that you're just being you and doing what you love and you're out there and people are seeing it. I mean, we don't have to make it a big deal. We shouldn't and not minimize the impact that you're having. So I just need to say that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) I know that you and I connected through Divine Time. My company, Ath Mindset, is a partner with Divine Time. My niece, Raina Bonta, who represented the Philippine women's national team this summer at the World Cup, is also an ambassador, which I love. Because Luca and Raina, Luca Deza, the CEO and founder of Divine Time, 
and Raina, my niece, they grew up playing together. And yeah. so they're close, which is cool. So I love how it's, it's like such a small world and I get the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. What is it about divine time that you've chosen to be an ambassador for their mission, their purpose? Yeah, so I came in contact with them through Fede. I don't even know if you really speak it out like that, but so I played yeah. against her. She played for uh, Bruges. It's uh, also a Belgian team. Mm-hmm. And I think at first I was just really honored that they saw me like a, pe- a person who could be an ambassador. And then when I started looking into them, I just really like the fact that they want to empower women's football. And mm-hmm. also like in regard of like the sponsorships, I think like mm-hmm. for companies, they really underestimate the potential of women's football and how much attraction it has to people. And it's just, if they would have a closer look, it really could have a good impact on their marketing. But at this moment, they're of course only seeing like the girls don't have as much following as the boys. And we think there is more exposure with the boys. But as there was an Instagram post of the Vine Time Agency, it's actually shown that there are a lot of fans who buy more if they see it in women's sports than in men's sports. So all kind of those things and just really the empowerment of women, I just, I'm really liking it. So that's a big reason for me to be an ambassador. I love it. I love it. No, I believe in everything that Vine Time does. Their focus on female empowerment, like you said, mental health, entrepreneurship, marketing, like you said, is all really, really important. Let's shift to that. You and I both know it's September right now. It's National Suicide Awareness Month. Not everybody knows that. I think when seeing that there is a month that acknowledges suicide awareness, what does that mean to you at this point in your your life? Well, I think it's just, it's important that people are aware about the fact that like, if you're mentally okay, it's for me the most important thing in the world. Hmm. So like people give a lot of attention to appearance and everything, but for me, appearance is just a byproduct. I think if you're mentally okay, your appearance will also be good and your physical way will also be good. So what I always have in my mind is like a lot of teams have like a dietitian, but only like sometimes have a mental health coach. And I'm really like, I would say also an ambassador of the fact that I would promote having always a mental health coach and maybe sometimes a dietitian because like this month stipulates that it's just very important to have your mental health and like if it would get that worse, that it would go to suicide, no one wants that. So it's Mm -hmm. better to prevent everything. And also, like, I think everyone started playing football or I don't know which kind of sport because they like it. So we should focus a little bit more on keeping the pleasure in it instead of always putting the pressure on everything. Oh my gosh. I love everything that you just said. And I just, I appreciate it. Again, people, girls, women are going to listen. The fact that a professional footballer can say something like that and have that insight, it's amazing. I mean, 
it is my hope and goal that someday we will live in a world where the mental health coach, the mental performance coach is prioritized just as much as the athletic trainer, just as much as the masseuse, the, like you said, dietitian. That yeah. It all helps one another. I mean, it's connected. And I think it's important to notice, right, that, and you've said it, which is speaks to your knowledge, is that feeling suicidal or having ideas of suicide or thoughts is an extreme, severe manifestation of depression, right? And depression is, along with anxiety, are the top two easiest mental health conditions to treat. But not, not a lot of people know that. And so this conversation here is bringing awareness that if we prevent even depression, that by proxy is preventing any kind of suicidal thoughts, including attempts or dying by suicide. So I think it's important that we talk about that and that you don't have to have a severe depression to be concerned about it. Like, let's prevent it. Let's not even let it come in. And prioritizing how we feel and think and behave will help that. And no one's excluded. Professional footballers, CEOs, police officers, no one's excluded from prioritizing their mental health because we all have it. So I, I can't appreciate enough everything you've said about it. I know that you're just recently kind of discovering and reading about what is mental health. I mean, you've been preoccupied. You just got your degree in 2022. And so like to be able to have some time and space to really kind of learn and come to your own sort of current understanding with it is is really something I respect. So just thanks for doing that. Yeah. As I say, like, I think people really underestimate how important it is. It's also because society really focuses always on having the happy picture and like always being happy and it's just not like that it's also not because you're an athlete and you have the privilege to make your work from your hobby that you're always Mm. happy it's just Mm. like Mm. you also have like your difficult moments and everything you need to go through and even in sports like i think at a certain moment you put so much pressure on yourself that you evaluate almost every day as a success or a failure. And it's just like handling that. And as I said before, if there would be mental coach at the club every day, and it's just like a 10 minute chat sometimes. Right. You're happy again. And it doesn't really need to be a mental coach, like your teammates or your friends or everyone can be that, but you just need to be feel confident enough to open up about it and to have people to talk about it. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I think this point of who we are on the outside is oftentimes not how we feel on the inside and that we work so hard, right, to put on a happy face so that people don't think there's anything going on with us or we don't feel like then we have to like be a burden to other people or something like that. But I think what you're saying is that we're human at any job, whether you're a pro footballer or a teacher or a lawyer or whatever it might be, you're going to have your days, right? And to make sure that more often than not, what you're feeling on the inside corresponds with the outside. And if you don't like what that is, let's work on that. Like you said, talking to someone, trusting someone, all of that. 
So I really, again, appreciate that a lot. And I think what you're also speaking to is that, for example, for you, a pro footballer, that's not the only thing you are. Like, no, indeed. And I think that's the biggest thing when you start growing up. Like, you never know the exact moment. But if you look back, you see, like, you're growing up from being a girl and a teenager to more like a woman. And you just start realizing that, yeah, it's all not, like, happy and sunshine. And it's just by embracing the less good days that makes the good days better. It's not like, I don't know, I think people who know me can definitely agree that I sometimes can be moody and that I'm, that I have like a face with just, who just like speaks how I'm feeling. And in the beginning, I was always beating myself up for that because I was like, I cannot show my emotions and it's really not good that if you're in a bad mood to show it. But at this moment, I really, of course, I regulate it. So I don't think, for example, if you're on the bench, it's a good sign to be with a sad face and everything. You need to be there for your team because you play a team sport, of course. But it's not if you're coming home that you not can call your dad or your mom or your friends and say, like, I'm really not happy today. So I think that's just the fact. And also, like I said, you need to be there for your team. But once the game is over, you can also, like, rely on your team and just tell them, or not everyone, of course, it's not like that in a team that you're best friends with everyone, but you will always Mm -hmm. have a person where you can say, like, I don't really think that this is, like, fair, or I just want to play, or it's just to communicate and have a support system where you can really filter your feelings, I would say. No, again, I think that's super, super important. I mean, I think in some ways to be able to acknowledge that you're not having a good day or you're not happy in this moment is already maybe giving permission to other teammates to also feel free to do that. I mean, you're going to come together as a team and get the job done best you can. And I think being able to be honest about whether you're having a good day or not can help that actually. Like if you say to one of your close teammates, right? Like, I'm like, ah, I'm not like 100% myself today. Like, I want you to know that. And, you know, that's how I might show up on the field. Like, can you have my back today or something like that? Like, I think that that actually brings teammates closer together and gives others the permission to also maybe say that and like return the favor kind of thing. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think... For me, that's a little bit the difference between the Belgian mentality and the Scottish ones. Mm. I think here people are really like, if you're not okay, it's okay. Just Mm. make sure that you do everything to have a better tomorrow Mm -hmm. or or a better next hour, even like that. Mm -hmm. And it's also like in the hallway, if you pass someone, you ask like, you're okay. They're not always like, yeah, they are just some songs like, I'm not bad. And I really like, that saying because it's just like it's how life is you don't always have to be okay and that doesn't mean that you're depressed it just means like it's a normal day it's not a day where i i will be eating out with friends and doing whatever i want it's just a training's day where i'm getting through and where i want to be better but it's not that i'm like it's my birthday and i'm gonna do whatever i want it's not that day every day so 
Yeah. No, so important. And so important for people to hear that, especially at the level that you play at, to give yourself that permission and that self-awareness that it's not my expectation, like me, Michelle, to like be happy all the time. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself and to find ways to express yourself, right? What other identities do you have besides woman, besides pro footballer? What other identities and like passions do you have and interests do you have? Yeah, so that's really something I started exploring once I stopped school. So once I was graduated, I was like, okay, so I was always in my books because, of course, I needed oh. to get my degree. But then afterwards, I was like, okay, I, I went to school. I was an athlete, but what am I besides oh. of that? Like, of course, I'm a friend of a lot and I'm a family member of a lot, but who else am I? So oh. I started reading and I started like listening to podcasts and all those things. And at this moment, what I like is like a lot, I think. So mindset things I like a lot. I'm interested in investing because that's also related to my university degree. I'm definitely interested in art and music, just like self-awareness. I like to do a Pilates class. So it's really going every direction, which is sometimes also a difficulty because you want to focus on everything and then you're focusing on nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's enjoyable to live that way because, you know, like people are sometimes asking me, like, are you not bored because you're alone? And I'm like, well, first, I'm not alone because I still have my teammates and I'm almost there every day. So it's a lot of social interaction. And second of all, like I have this many interests and I like to do a walk. I like to listen to a podcast that, no, I'm not really bored. (laughs) It's not that. No, I love it. I think it's something my mother always says, but being bored or missing people is like a big difference. Like, of course, I miss my the people at home. And of course, I would want to be with them and do things with them. But the fact that I'm not doing things with them doesn't mean that I'm bored. It just means that I'm okay on my own and that I like it. So, yeah. I mean, again, at the beginning of this conversation, Michelle was like, I don't know if I'm a role model, blah, blah, blah. But come on, like everything you're saying and mom is like, you know, high five to mom dropping some wisdom there. But like, there's so much that people can learn from your outlook, especially as young women. A lot of young women don't know how to be in their own company and enjoy it, right? Yeah. There's that insecurity, right? Or societal pressure that you always have to be this, that, or the other thing. You know, yeah, but again, so. like, I think that's something that comes with your age. Because I was also not always comfortable and being alone mm-hmm. and always walking alone. Like, at this moment, on Thursdays, if, if I have my day off, I just go on my own for a pancake or a coffee or something. <laughs> and that's something, like, if you would have asked me to do that three or four years ago, I would be like, no, I'm not going to sit in a, in a public place on my own. I understand. Yeah. It's just because at that moment, when I saw people on their own, my opinion about those people was like, they don't have friends. Mm. Because, and at this moment, I'm just really convinced by the fact like they have friends. They just are also their own friend and they like to do something in their own company at the moment. So I think 
if you see people sitting alone, it's just, it's a very good sign. It's a sign that they are comfortable at their own. So, yeah. Again, Michelle's over here dropping some <laughs> gems. Oh my God, if people could see me, I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> like my expressions. It is so important. And I don't think it's only age. It's experience and the sort of ongoing work of getting to know yourself and prioritizing yourself. I have folks I work with who are 40, 45, who will not and cannot go into a restaurant and have a meal by themselves because they have not learned to enjoy their own company. They have not yet learned that I'm enough. Like I'm enough and I'm interesting and I'm dynamic and I want to get to know myself. There's a lot of things that go into it. So I'm just, as the young woman that you are, I'm so glad that you can do that and like have a mindset shift already. That doesn't mean like, oh, they're loners and don't have any friends. It's like, it's a choice they make. It's a choice you make to hang out with yourself and to enjoy yeah. that and not be nervous about it or insecure. And that like, there are things about you that you love and like. And like, it's so cool. I mean, you mentioned investing. What was your degree in at university? So I did business economics and I had a master in uh, innovation entrepreneurship. So I really liked that. Like, at first, I really didn't know what I was starting. So when I was in my last year of, uh, how do you call it, high school, mm -hmm. it didn't look in December that I would get my degree in June. So I, I really needed to work hard and I turned things around and I got my degree. But at that moment, I was with my dad and I was like, okay, so I'm playing football. So the most logic thing I'm going to do is like, I'm going to be a physiotherapist. Because as mm. you know, most of athletes study something that's related to sport because yes. of course, that's everything they know at that moment. That's right. Like, it's the biggest thing they know. So what I did, I, I went to the university with my dad and there was an info session about physiotherapy and it was two parts. So first it was more explanation about the theoretically part and then mm -hmm. it was more practical. So mm -hmm. the theoretically part was finished and I looked at my dad and I was like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> we, just, we just didn't even go to the second part and we walked out. And then we were on a drive back home and my dad was like, yeah, but you need to choose something. So in the car, I was just watching at my phone and I was like, okay, there is one more info session. That's it. There is nothing else. The only one starts in August. So he was like, what is it about? I said like, it's business economics. So we had three categories, but in general, it was business economics. And he was like, when does it start? And I was like, in 10 minutes, but we needed to drive 20. And he was like, okay, we're just going to go. So we turned the car around and we went. And I was like, this re I really like this. So I don't know if it was the guy who was presenting it, how he explained it, but mm -hmm. I really liked it. So I started university. The first year was really so bad. I think I had like seven courses I needed to do again in August. So it was so much but then the first i did six years i think normally it's four so i did six because i of course did it with my board in combination mm -hmm. um so the three year three first years were so difficult and i absolutely didn't really love it i was just like i don't know if i will do something with this and then i really started like liking it because of course 
the farther you go, the more specific it goes. And at that moment, I didn't, I was always succeeded from the first time. So I think that's the same with sports. Sometimes you start and, and the, the beginning of the season or the preseason can be bad. But once you keep going and all the last good days are past, there will be better days. And eventually I got my degree. So eventually you will also succeed in your sport, I guess. What that means for everyone. Because that's also a thing. I think I, I had too much value to the opinion of others about mm. which it means to be succeeding in my sport. Mm. For me, like playing in Anderlecht was a comfortable situation. The first years I didn't play, but then the second two years I played every game, almost 90 minutes. So that was comfortable and I really liked it. There were nice girls, it was a nice team, but I think at that moment it's just like evaluating for yourself what success is. And for me, it was just like going abroad. And even if I failed abroad, it doesn't care because I, I did the step. And you, of course, have other players which I really value and which I think are the greatest players of Belgium who just say like, I'm comfortable here. I want to stay here. And if that is for them the way they see success, that's also okay. But it's just like get your own opinion about it and really do what you like. I love it. I love it. Everything you're saying is so valuable, defining what success means to you, not letting anyone change that or influence you otherwise. That, you know, trying something that you thought you liked, checking it out and like, hmm, maybe not, and shifting and pivoting. We know, you and I know, that investing in entrepreneurship has room in sports. You know, as athletes, right, we don't have to do something right there on the field, physiotherapy or with the athletes directly, you know, like that for their physical performance, that financial health is just as important, in my opinion, as physical health, as mental health, as spiritual health, and you can help and choose to help the populations and people that you want to. Like yeah. a lot of athletes don't know how to manage their money or you know, have an entrepreneurial bent to how they approach the world. There's so many identities that you have. And I think that that's key to know that if you are pursuing and developing other identities of yourself, that doesn't mean that you're not prioritizing being a footballer. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Right. That would be the equivalent of me going to my job day in and day out and performing and not having any other interests. That's what the yeah. equivalent would be right? And that's not healthy. The fact that you know at such a young age that it's important to have other interests, Pilates, studying mindset, investing, entrepreneurship, all of that is so cool. And that now that university is done, you have more flexibility to read the things that you want to read and like have more time instead of like what the syllabus is telling you to do. So congratulations on, on your degree and everything that is to come. I wanted to ask, and you can use whatever language or languages you want here. Yeah. What would you want young girls coming up to know about pursuing their passion, about pursuing what they love, whether it be football or anything else? Something maybe you wish was told to you? So 
for me, it's always in in the back of my mind, but it's something I first I heard it in a podcast uh, from two Dutch uh, football players, uh, like ex football players, and then I saw like I think it's yeah it's here. So I saw this book, mm. which of course the people who listen cannot see. You can cite it. You want to tell the book that you read? You can read it and the authors. Um, yeah, so it's Inside Out from Charlie Unwin. And the podcast was Building Bridges from Gianni Zuiverloon and Edwin Braveit. Um, those are Dutch ex-football players. But the biggest thing was like, so in the podcast, he was saying, approach the world inside out, not outside in. Oh. I needed to pause and go back and think about it. But since that moment, it, it was just always in the back of my mind because when you're approaching it from the inside out, you start from your own interests, your own skills, your own everything you value, and then you go to the outside and you look like, okay, of course, in between you have the measures, like the key performance indicators and how you going to go there and which steps you will take and then you come to the outcome so will i succeed will i win a game will i stop playing football and want to do something else and i think as a little girl if you approach the world from inside out and start from what you want and what you do it's the most important because if you start doing it from the outside in i think that's where depression starts yeah if you do it outside in and with the outside, I mean, like I said, like the outcomes and everything. So if you, for example, only value if people see that you're in the starting 11 or not, or that you only value if you get the degree or not, or that you only uh-huh. value what social media thinks about you, well, everything uh-huh. that's inside of you just goes away. <laughs> There's nothing left over. So, yeah, that's my my biggest advice. And it's not mine, but it's what always is in the back of my head. I appreciate it. I think that's so valuable. And I love how we can learn from others and then bring that learning to another audience that maybe that original person isn't touching. Like you're and, you're going to be able to, I mean, dropping, again, more gems, such wisdom. I appreciate you so much, you know, bringing such awareness to suicide prevention, to depression, to athletic identity and beyond and just all the experiences that you have it's it's really been my extreme pleasure to share this space with you and and i can't appreciate you enough yeah the same for me so thank you for having me on the podcast i would say athlete mindset is part of the cas source podcast network at CasSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CasSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CasSource Podcast Network.